When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Screen Talk and do our weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined once again after a two-week vacation by Ann Thompson. And very happy to have you back. I've had some nice guest hosts while uh, while you've been away, but there's nothing like bickering with you. It was fun to listen to you all. It was fun. It was fun, but we've got so much to discuss. I mean, even in the last two weeks that you were out, we've got new films that that have come out that that are resonating. We've got a can lineup and and much to dig into there, and a couple of other things going on in the news cycle. So why don't we start start with? Well, should we talk about the slap? <laughs> no, we're over it. It's done. <laughs> I saw a great cartoon online. To discuss. <laughs> that, that, that there's this great cartoonist named who who goes by the Oatmeal online. And he posted a great comic of somebody opening their computer the week of the Oscars and just getting inundated with that photo yeah. of the slap. <laughs> so he was completely buried. And that's kind of what it felt like. But yeah, I mean, I feel like we've, we have moved past that news cycle, although every now and then people try to stir it back up with that red table talk starting back up yesterday. Nothing came out of that. Nothing, Nothing happened. So we can actually legitimately focus on other things, including movies. I mean, you know, the Oscars go on for so long. They become so in in some ways you get so invested in them and then they're done. And I always have this sort of postpartum depression afterwards, but, but it's a withdrawal. And I'm so excited because can means that we're going to be nourished again with new stuff, you know, that's going to, whether or not it actually goes to the Oscars, which is usually just a few things, it will nourish us and get us talking again. And, and yeah, and, and certainly good there's, a, there's a lot to dig into there, but we've already got some festival films that are launching and some non-festival films that are launching. They're having really interesting li- lives uh, in terms of their critical response and audience response. Everything Everywhere All at Once is one that I talked about a little bit out of South by Southwest, but with a film that kind of singular, it was hard, I think, to completely convey to you what that film was and you know no, why it was going to have an um, impact. In so. an actual movie theater. Um, I, I, Where? And it was packed. I went to see The you? Grove, the Grove. In, okay. in L.A. And no it surprise. was absolutely packed. Um, people on either side of me not wearing masks. Uh, very few people wearing masks. In fact, I kept Also not on. surprising. Um, but it, it, it was great to see it in a theater. Um, and I got it completely. I, I really, it's, it shows you how important it is for a movie to be unlike anything else. That is the key to actually getting people to come and see it in a theater and not be available anywhere else. That is the essence of cinema and as an art form. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's not just like, it doesn't happen very often, Eric. No, no. It's hard to make something good (laughs) when you can, when you can get the word of mouth going or, or get film Twitter going. I mean, obviously typically everybody overhyped it to a certain extent, but, uh, and I, I was, I was so excited to see it that it, it was, it wasn't perfect. It's a very um, scruffy, low-budget movie. It isn't entirely 
polished. But it's That's got a huge scope too. It's, I mean, it's almost like designed no, to be messy. With the, I mean, with the way that they do the the effects and the and the extraordinary action. And it, and it's got this sort of infectious quality where it's almost like they're staring at you and saying, "Yeah, we know what we're doing is completely absurd and a little all over the place." But if you just roll with it, you might settle into the, to the same rhythm that we're on, which is like well, that's what this is about—the messiness of life. And you have no. to remember that it doesn't matter if it makes sense. I mean, that's one of those movies too. It, that there's no way that you could ever un unravel that plot. Yeah, though I think the internet will gradually pick it apart because at the end of the day, I mean, they, they, it's what is it? The story of a mother coming to terms with her daughter, a, an immigrant family dealing with various different stages of its life, and it's also a multi-dimensional matrix, is matrixy kind of. Uh, uh, time travel, you know, time travel, time, time, time bending story, multiverse story, which and is a genre. Be, it can be very confusing. You just have to roll with it, as you said. But uh, the, the it was an interesting um, production history in the sense that the filmmakers um, had hoped to do it with Jackie Chan, but he was he gave them a quote that was so enormous that they had to to back off and they reinvented it for uh michelle yo who's just amazing it's hard to imagine it without her um who really leans into the comedy as well as the really genuinely moving uh relationship with her daughter and then so when movies... aquafina couldn't play the daughter they had to yeah. go find um they cast her with with this other actress but they had to go find someone to, to to be a star and that was jamie lee curtis and and that worked out really well she's so yeah. funny in this but i would even argue i mean yeah she's great it's just like kind of loopy and sometimes evil irs agent depending on which dimension you're but in who's also yeah. doing action stunts <laughs> but you know i i pointed out earlier at south by when this movie premiered those actors were on stage and the directors got more questions from the audience. It was a South by crowd, but I do think on some level, one of the key stars of this movie is the filmmaking itself that audiences, even if they're not cinephiles, they might be, you know, uh, music people or, or, so, you know, sort of consider themselves to have sort of refined taste on one level or another, but they're responsive to the kind of the energy of the filmmaking in a way that I think is kind of fascinating. They come out talking about, how great the editing is. Like how rare do you hear the craft of filmmaking being talked about in those terms by people who aren't, you know, necessarily just, um, you know, movie nerds. They're just responsive to the way the movie is put together because it is a symphony of different kinds of settings coming together, you know, much in the same way that like, intolerance or inception or like lots of filmmaking over the years has tried this, but they're doing it in a way that I think opens it up to a different kind of audience, a younger audience that's going to the movies. And so it that's plays cool. as a comedy to the younger audience. That was what struck me in the theater. Um, I was enjoying it. I was having a good time, but I wasn't laughing as hard as some of the people around me. Yeah, well, I mean, also it's like the, you want to have a good time with that movie. When the rocks start talking to each other in the rock universe or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's like it's inherently funny. It's not like a punchline funny. So, you know, it strikes different people in different ways. It's out on like. 2200 screens it's made close to 18 million dollars which is really extraordinary and I, I guess one thing it'll be interesting to see is we're starting to head towards the summer movie season which gets earlier and earlier all the time even in pandemic times how what are the long legs of this movie eventually we'll have to talk about the award season context you can't ignore that I don't know that this film. is going to ever be in that context it it, it doesn't strike me that it needs to be um uh, I, I think there will be plenty of other stuff to to supplant it um, as we go. 
but uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, well, I mean, the the Michelle Yeoh conversation is certainly one worth looking at. I mean, her her story has been told in some really exciting ways. She's the centerpiece of the film. She's an actress who, in some ways, has been taken for granted for years and years. So, you she know, also I hasn't guess. been given enough to do, and that's what's so exciting about. That. I've been covering yeah. her for a long time. I'm, uh, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was a long time ago now. Yeah, um, and she's a huge star in Asia. I mean, an enormous enormous star and she's done you know she did tomorrow never dies or whatever i mean she's been in a lot of movies but um never given that the this kind of uh role and and with this much range uh, able to show what she can do um she's i'm, I'm delighted with it but uh, yeah, i mean so I, why not run a best actress campaign it's I mean... about you know how snobby and and <laughs> genre averse they tend to be uh you know the academy voters i guess, I guess we'll what i'm saying is here's what i'm saying eric i'm saying it's april okay <laughs> let's not talk late april that. we're in late april i'm done i'm over it well i mean there's, there's, it up later it's not the only film that is uh that it's coming out now and getting a strong enough to response to think about you know what does it really mean to come out right now in terms of your longevity. The Northman is opening this week. This is that a big is a more likely scenario. Okay, but let's talk about it for a bit. So it's like what is but estimated between 70 and 90 million dollars. It's quite or a more. spread. I saw Maybe something more. that said 135. Crazy Icelandic epic from the director of The Witch in the Lighthouse. I mean, you'd think that this was almost like a, a fluke. But it really is something that Robert Eggers put a lot of time into that focus gave him on some level, even if they gave him notes, gave him the space and the resources to make, even with the pandemic disruption. And it is a wild movie. I mean, you think you've seen crazy Viking stuff in like, uh, you know, Reference Valhalla Rising or like the, the Sword and Sandals epics. But this one is like so it like his other stuff. It's so detail oriented. It's like the most realistic, crazy Viking battle movie you've ever seen. And um, and it's really fun to watch, but it's also it's like it's not for everybody, this movie. So well, to have it as a big film is, is quite this remarkable. This is another one where you're going to talk the filmmaking, you know, I mean, there's yeah. these extraordinary long shots. And they're, the one that's the, 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 the set piece that everybody talks about is is it is set in this uh you know, attack berserker, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, you know, going in there and it's a long continuous take through this attack on this village. Um, and it's because you as you're watching it, you're realizing that they that, that there's no cuts and there's all these tumbling things and and people getting killed and people running out of the shot and and stuff in the background and it's incredibly dense yeah um, you know this is on the level of children of men or something well eggers has the had the, the um, revenant, yeah you know? eggers has had alfonso cuaron's blessing very publicly on his approach to filmmaking here and the kind of the way in which he he brings supernatural components into the plot in almost like a naturalistic way but the, the he shoots without a lot without a lot of cover single camera it's like he does this single camera thing which is really hard to do for an action scene and if you screw it up you got to set it all up and do you it again do it so all they, over mm. again and that's so what they do and and they but do it, it all but it looks amazing again. yeah my no, favorite shot in amazing. the movie is is actually relatively early on you're like in the forest and you see that this this canoe go by and the, the camera kind of travels into the water and then jo joins everybody on the canoe it's just such a involving approach and there are a lot of times throughout the movie where it's like the camera itself 
surprises you and it's, no, just, it's just fun scenes, to watch there, and there's some scenes of extraordinary beauty uh, i'm thinking about a um uh, what happens is that at the, it, there's a, a revenge plot very much based on Hamlet, which itself was based on a Danish, a 12th century Danish uh, saga. Folk, folk saga. And, and they, they basically um, use that as the tentpole to hang the whole movie on, knowing it's familiar, and then they can go deep and dark in other ways. And there's a scene where Alexander Skarsgård is, is um, hiding as a slave. He's gone back to Iceland. He's going he's gonna to kill the guy who's played by Klaus Bang, um, who, who kidnapped his mother, played by Nicole Kidman. Murdered he's his father. He's climbing up on this roof, and he's taking this mythic sword, very Arthurian, you know, and he's, mm -hmm. he's, he's putting it uh, inside the thatched roof, and he's looking out over the village in the moonlight. And it's it's just stunning this movie. The just visually, I I could as violent and gory as it sometimes is, it's very beautiful. And I would go see it again. There's also the the extraordinary tableau where the two naked men finally face off uh, on on top of a raging volcano. The gates of hell. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit. I mean, I feel like this the the thing that's fascinating about this movie is that it's dense with images but it's not really like a plot driven kind of experience over like you'll yes it's based no, on it's hamlet <laughs> you get like the hamlet in the first like 15 to 20 and then a lot of it is like just sort of like yeah you're you're hanging out with these brutal masculine machines as as they gradually you know create more violence and, and destruction around them <laughs> But what he but also to manages to do, and he worked with this uh, other screenwriter, uh, Schoen. Schoen, yeah, Icelandic uh, poet. Iceland, and, and worked with Bjork and got nominated for uh, a song from uh, Dancer in the Dark. And, and he's, he's, a, he's a whole, you know, reams of novels and prizes and poetry and everything else. This man, who did a, who did a lot of research into witchcraft for a book that he wrote that he bonded with Edgar on, mm -hmm. um, really went wild with the research, but it's also about the relationships between the characters that are, that are sensitive so that, so that Skarsgård is this beast bent on revenge, but he's also capable of a relationship with Anya Taylor-Joy's character, and he's capable of a glimpse of humanity that if he didn't have, we wouldn't be able to relate to him. And partly yeah. that's the actor as well. Yeah, oh, totally. And he's wanted to, Skarsgård's wanted to play a Viking for obvious reasons because of his physicality for years. So this was a really good vehicle. Something else could, it could have been much cheesier. I mean, it's, uh, it's not, it, there are some weirdly funny aspects to to the sort of intensity through which these people kind of prepare themselves for bloodshed. You know, they There's take psychedelics and screaming and, that they yeah, do. They really cover themselves in up. blood. I mean, I spoke to Eggers and, and one of the things he was saying, it's like, you know, he was really intent on getting accuracy. Right. So he talked to all these historians and stuff, but then he would find ways to embellish to kind of enhance the atmosphere. So like, they we don't know that they like draped themselves in blood when they did these ceremonies, but it seemed like there was some some kind of blood element to the ceremony. So they probably did get splattered in blood. And so he now decided he goes, to like he goes that. into this in-depth stuff about whether they had helmets or not and what kind of, of warrior uh, costuming they actually used. He had to he had to fabricate some of this stuff because it's go it's we're going so far back in time into the 10th century that some of it is indeed 
even available to be yeah. truly uh, confirmed. So one of the things that I think that that's worth scrutinizing in, in the way he talked about the movie is that there was this big New Yorker profile that kind of made it almost like Apocalypse Now, like the way in which he fought to get this movie made and then had to deal with pushback. And, you know, he's not the kind of filmmaker who likes getting studio notes and doesn't know if he'll ever work on this level again. Is that, you know, that's he had he, to do if you're going to get a budget. Yeah, I mean, he kind of backtracked on that a little bit. Who knows if he got a talking to or whatever. But I mean, he was sort of like, you know, the studio was not a, they're not filmmakers. They gave us notes and we figured out creatively how to work with those notes. And this is the director has to end up. Right. That's what Jane Campion had to say on the power of the dog. They made her make changes in the power of the dog at Netflix in order to make it more accessible to an audience. Can you imagine? (laughs) But I mean, with Northman, like accessible in the end. Well, what about the Northman? I mean, this is the movie when you see it, you're like, so what would have been the crazier Robert? First, it probably would have been longer. Another comparison. Let's look at David Lowry's The Green Knight. The Green Knight is a similar movie, except that in that case, the filmmaker got the chance to make the art film that he wanted to make. He chose not to make it more accessible. He chose not to uh, layer away, uh, scrape away the opaque qualities in that film to make it clear and transparent for an audience. And I think it's to Egger's credit that he figured out how to do that in this case. Well, I really liked Green Knight as well. I mean, I think Green Knight is, is a gentler film overall, first of all. I mean, it has more to do with uh, kind of the sensitive side of this Arthurian character, so that so it's a little hard to compare it in that sense. It doesn't go well, to those extremes. In, in the way that that, that just in, I'm all I'm comparing is the idea that you would take these two art filmmakers and and see how far uh, they were willing to take the stories they wanted to tell and the way they wanted to tell them, and then you know, make, make compromises in order to reach an audience. That's the question. Yeah. I mean, I, it, 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 neither of them really felt compromised to me when you watch Northman, like I said, I mean, there's not a ton of plot to it. It's, it's super gory. It's, it's, I, I don't think that it's on the level of his other two films, the witch and, and the lighthouse in terms of it's over the overall completion of its vision. It does feel a bit more sort of jagged in a way, like you're just getting a lot of impressive filmmaking. It doesn't always fuse together in the same to the quite the level of satisfaction as the earlier films. And I think that's because of the scale and the complexity of it. And I would be curious to see if he does continue to work at that level. What he said at the end of the interview that I think is worth looking at is he was saying all all the film community should be rooting for the success of this film, even if you don't like it, because it was a pure filmmaker vision on this yeah, scale. But and that's not going to call. That's not going to. All right. We're going to we're going to see if the Northman meets the same challenge. Let's let's look at it another way. If we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Right. That is a hugely entertaining movie, no matter how you look at it. It makes people laugh. It makes people just have a, a fabulous time. This movie is darker. It's more like The Power of the Dog. It's more like something um, demanding of an audience. And I'm curious to see if if they are even going to remotely make their money back on this. I mean, it's be a challenge. From a box office standpoint, I think the challenge with this movie is is that, I mean, every movie is a box office question still, but one Especially that's a completely in the art a, house. You know, yeah, but, and but there are but also exceptions. Yeah, but I mean, also it's like, what is the big audience for this big wide release 
film that that's had international push and, and, and is designed to be sort of not just an art house film, but a commercial film because it's like, you know, it's, it's not to everyone's taste and it's going to shock people. And you, I hate the term educate audiences, but I'm sure that the cinema score will be interesting. The cinema score on the witch I remember was quite low because people we're not always ready. Sometimes the marketing doesn't match up with. Yeah. And I don't know if that that's true here or not, but I also think this commercial movie than, than, than some, I mean, I think Vikings are commercial, but again, people coming in, coming in with expectations about what the, yeah, Conan, the bar. That's like a reboot Conan and it's commercial, (laughs) but the Northman, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you, you get that same sort of crowd that wants a sword and sandals thing and they're like, wow, that was even crazier than I expected it to be. But I think to me, like the big, the big question is this plea of like, we want this kind of filmmaking to succeed. To me, it's like, thank God Robert Eggers seems to have survived this process and is still like a filmmaker who believes in the, power of what he's doing because like a lot of people get burned out trying to make these things and are not successful and i don't necessarily know if it's the best thing for a lot of filmmakers to be getting massive budgets to make movies when there are other economical ways to do them i mean lighthouse the brilliance of lighthouse was that it was two people in one place um and that it felt like this really atmospheric cool movie that didn't require those resources so you didn't feel the the smallness of its budget per se in well, the way that it made bigger budget than focus is usually involved with and new regency obviously arna melchan you know got in there uh to to fund it but it's it's a um um it's a it's a shot that they all made they took pretty big risks i hope it pays off i yeah, love the we'll movie I people should definitely go adore it. And, and i, I do I, think that on uh, if we were to talk oscar side that uh certainly why not? on the crafts uh they yes. should they should be getting some rewards costume and, and stuff like that so yeah i mean recognition yeah i also think both the northman and everything everywhere are movies that could benefit from multiple viewings i mean the those are these are films that are so detail ridden and are audio visual experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Especially since you're really... le- you're learning a new language in some ways. Yeah. You... Yeah. So when you look at when you look at something like the Northman, I mean there there's some Beowulf, there's there's some Excalibur, um, you know, there's there's a lot of, of rich, rich uh movie tradition back there. Flesh and blood, maybe Verhoeven. It's all in there. Um, yeah. these are these are movies that are related to it in a good way. Um so we should talk about Can before we run out of time yeah let's let's dig further into that so actually our timing is good because even though with some of our our colleagues i talked about the lineup as it was announced last week they've since added a couple of films and uh what we're looking at is five uh, women filmmakers filmmakers, so so that's a record so so Um, eric there were there were reasons why they 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 ended up getting caught with their pants down a little bit on that front partly because so it, it, it appears that so many films just weren't finished and weren't sure when they would finish. What were, what were some of the factors that kept uh, Cherry Frumeau from being able to to really make a full announcement in a timely manner? Well, the, first of all, I mean, it's always down to the wire with Cannes. We know that from previous years, they often are adding films. So this year in particular, I think we've seen a log jam of, of films in production internationally due to the pandemic. And so a lot of a lot of new films are coming in that were down to the wire. And so they're screening films up until the moment where they make that announcement. But they have to hold that time to make the announcement because so much of the international industry 
pins its plans to go to Cannes on that timing. So the lineup was announced a little bit earlier this year, in part impacted by the uh, the French elections, which are you know sort of they had, they had the first phase of them before the lineup, and now the next phase is around the corner. So it was. It was it was sort of forced into this one spot and they weren't ready to go really, but they had to go for it. And so then they were still scrambling. The the press conference didn't have they didn't even take questions. They just went back probably to screen movies as soon as they were done announcing it as a as a result. So I think that and it they're was having this, trouble getting a jury too, which yeah. has to do with this production problem. So we we um we're in Emmy mode right now and, and a lot of people are trying to put things together, you know, different kind of promo events and stuff and it is hard to get people to show up because there's nobody available they're working everyone's yeah. shooting right well now. that's not a bad problem to have television and film today. yeah yeah people and are you'll busy see that all these announcements they're making all these different streamers everybody um netflix under duress because they've lost uh some of their uh audience um which is really hit their stock price the big question for them is how much they're going to change their approach to production and quality of production this is what we're all wondering yeah it's it's funny because I, I was actually uh, uh talking about that i did one of those quick spots on abc uh earlier this week and and realized as i was doing it that this roma poster as if you're watching on video you'll see it was behind my head the whole time and i hope that netflix is still investing in these kinds of films because I mean, I don't know how much that is yeah, relevant the push to the seems to be for them stuff, to go but... in the direction of more equality. But the yeah. practical reality is that big movies like Sandra Bullock's Bird Box, you know, the, these kinds of movies are the movies that are driving, you know, big Will Smith movies are driving their their traffic, not not uh, not the little art films. But those things are, are costly and, and you can only do so many of them, obviously. So it's it is a it is an interesting challenge right now. Um, in terms of what this means in the months ahead. Although, you know, once they add the ads, I wonder what it will mean if you have a lower tier and you're watching something like Roma and it's interrupted by ads. I mean, you know, it's just a different... I think they're going to start out with some experiments in certain territories and see how it plays. We'll and they're going to crack goes. down on on sharing. I've got it. I know my daughter's on my Netflix account, you know. Yeah, password sharing is a big, big open question. Yeah. I mean, it, it was sort of like this thing where it was like a secretive thing. You know, everybody felt like they were kind of getting away with it. And then it just sort of settled into they just... They encouraged it at standard. the beginning in order to build, you know, viewers. But now they have to figure it out. So, so going to Cannes, what you have are a lot of uh, the distributors that we consider to be sort of the usual suspect theatrical distributors you've got you've got a24 a24 has a massive massive presence yeah. actually uh, with the uh, Michelle Williams showing the up. Kelly Riker film showing up they also have films in in directors Fortnite and uh, Jesse Eisenberg's film that was at Sundance's opening critics week so I think it's six or seven titles it's pretty impressive and then right. neon obviously has this David Cronenberg movie which we can't the wait Viga, to check Mortensen out. And so that'll Stewart. be a wild Ride. She likes to do the red carpet, Kristen Stewart. She likes Ken. She's been there Don't many times. She was on the jury. I mean, you know, yeah. and she's making a movie now. So, yeah, she fits right in. Yeah, I mean, and, and Claire Denis movie, the A24. Um, so, yeah, I'm that's the stars at noon with Margaret Qualley, who I love. Um, I like her and Joe Alwyn, who's very good. Um, and then and then some of them are, are going to be up for sale. Um, there are going to be quite a few, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a market. I mean, the, the buyers, like always, they need movies. It was the same thing at Sundance this year. 
and uh, and we have got bigger players too. I mean, uh, it's 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 interesting to look at uh, what happened last year with Drive My Car um and uh and and how it was you know not acquired at the festival but ended up getting its initial sort of exposure and critical approval as a result of its 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 appeal there that then you know set it up to be released in a really innovative way and i wonder if that sets a template for the rest of the year i mean parasite was such a cool success story and we were all hoping that 2020 can was going to be the next chapter of that and then you know, it can didn't happen. Well, drive my no. car was driven out of out of the Palm Door, so you know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with this year. I mean, I I I mean I mean I'm I'm excited by the big movies too, the George Miller, the Baz Luhrmann. You know, you didn't mention <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. I'm not going to mention <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I want to see. It's, it. it's, they've been trying to get that movie on the red carpet for two years. So yeah, no, that's a, that's a market launch. You know, yeah. cruises. Yeah, yeah, of course. Them. Well, it's again a premiere at CinemaCon, so which we'll have plenty of time to double back to soon enough. And I'm excited about the David Bowie doc from Brett sure, Morgan. Brett Morgan, yeah. Bound to. And there's an her. Ethan Cohen directed doc on uh, Jerry Lee Lewis as that's well. Right. So, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so there's a good range Another of stuff. Solo Cohen effort. Yep, exactly. And Riley yeah. Keogh directed a film called Beast in certain regards. That's one, so, that one's for sale. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And a really cool range of stuff this year. I think ultimately, I mean, can is easy to pick apart and, and say why this film in competition or not in competition and, you know, why this film is going to Venice or whatever. But like at the end of the day, I mean, we, we're, gonna, we're diving into a pretty complex list of international cinema that's, you know, it's just exciting any way you slice it. So we'll keep it's it up. So why did Mia Hansen Love end up in the Fortnite? Do I don't have I don't have any that? I don't have any inside intel on that. And we'll probably learn more with time. I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately there are so many different factors here. One could be that, uh, you know, the, the film was a red just, carpet aspect to it. Yeah. Maybe the film was was not um, not deemed a competition film. I mean, there, there are ways in which that can happen if it doesn't have a red carpet component. If like with Mia Hansen Loves Films, uh, can be very understated. The sense right. is that maybe it won't play well in competition. Could you offer it in certain regard? Well, but Mia Hansen Love is a major auteur. She's Why put her in a sidebar? So you put her in director's Fortnite, and then it. maybe she wins the section or whatever. So there's all different kinds of strategies going on behind the scenes. I mean, why is Alex Garland's men in director's Fortnite? That's a it's weird opening one that week, but it's a special screening. So maybe and it was it some horse looks trading. Like a very strange off, you know, what he can be like. It could be that it's too weird weird for the for the competition i can't wait to see it in any case but uh, hopefully we'll get to see that one early i mean it's opening the it's opening that week that it's at Cannes. so i always say you know if if there's something like that where it's like i could be in new york or la and watching this movie i kind of hope to see it in advance because can is a lot to process in a short period of time and we'll keep uh, we'll keep talking about so next week you're going to be in new york for a while we're going to hang out more and uh, see some shows, Last find some other new things. Directors, to do. New, films, new directors, the, the new films. The opening happening. Yeah. Yep. We partied a little bit, and we'll keep that going. So I'm looking forward to seeing you around a bit more, Anne, and uh, hope you enjoy your first couple of days here because it's just starting to get nice outside. So you're right. I on love schedule. it. All right. See you Thanks, soon. Eric. See you later. All right. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.